in this house. 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 Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Toure and Eric Wong. So this week we are talking about Kyle Edward Ball's viral sensation horror film, Skinamarink. But before we do that, we should discuss the big reveal this week of the Oscar nominations. Surprises, snubs, predictions. We should start with that, I think. And... For anyone tuning in who is wondering about our Last of Us coverage for the HBO series, there are some other releases that we do want to cover on this podcast. So I think the tentative plan is to check in with that show every other episode and therefore every other week up until the finale. So we will see the Last of Us fans. Hopefully you guys tune into this episode too, but we will see you guys for The Last of Us next week. Unless it starts sucking. No, I hear a three is a good one, so uh-huh. I don't think it's likely to suck then. But So the release schedule is also going to be a little different because the episodes come out on Sunday and we'll probably be releasing The Last of Us episodes on Tuesday, while our regular episodes will still be Thursday. Yeah. I think that's the plan. But yeah, the Oscar nominations, what do you guys think? Not too many surprises. I mean, every year there always is some surprises here and there, but overall, I think Best Picture, a lot of the ones I thought were going to get nominated did. I don't think there's anything surprising in the sense that something that took another person's spot is going to win. Like, I think the ones that I thought were going to get nominated were the ones that probably are going to win anyway. But I could be wrong. It was my number one movie of the year. So I'm very happy about the amount of nominations that Everything Everywhere All at Once got. Yeah, I am too. Yeah, the most surprising out of that one, though, is I was worried about Stephanie Hsu not being nominated for Best Supporting Actress. But seeing her name up there is really makes me really happy. I am very, very glad that she got in. Yeah. It seemed like she wasn't going to, because I watched the announcements live with Risa Med and Allison Williams announcing the nominees, 
and they said Jamie Lee Curtis first. I was like, oh, fuck, they're going to leave out Stephanie Shu, but they got them both in there. Pretty surprising, yeah. I didn't think you'd get two from that movie. Craziest surprise, I don't know if you guys have been following this, is Andrea Riseborough. Yes. For uh, To Leslie. Which I've never even heard of until yesterday. Very under the radar movie. But it was like a grassroots campaign by like other actresses like Gwyneth Paltrow, Kate Winslet, Kate Blanchett. They all posted to Instagram and like social media and like, hey, check out this performance a week before the nominations, which is like completely unheard of. And she fucking got in. That's insane to me. That rules. That's super cool. Yeah. On one hand, I think that's super cool. But on the other hand, I feel like they could have been doing this the whole time and they never did it for anyone. You could be doing this the whole time. Like actually like a legit campaigning strategy and they've never used it until now <laughs> i mean have they never used it till now or it just hasn't been successful till now you know what i mean like if these kind of campaigns are successful you just probably don't hear about them right that's probably true that's probably true i was gonna say that i've never even seen anything like this but maybe the other ones have fallen flat and i just don't yeah, i think it's just no like, it's notices a yeah. among people who you know i don't know or maybe you're right maybe it is a completely novel thing that now needs to be used more and more I mean, the last campaign that I remember, I don't know if it was like grassroots, but it was definitely a small movie like, is it To Leslie? I don't, I'm so sorry. I don't even know this movie. Is it To Leslie? Is that what it's to called? Leslie, yeah, to yes. Leslie. Was a couple of years ago with Glenn Close and The Wife. That was a small movie that a lot of people had not watched. And she was like sweeping a lot of the awards leading up to the Oscars. But ultimately, I know she didn't win that year. I think that was the year Olivia Coleman won for The Favorite. Yeah, that's not even that comparable because... She did have the momentum of the other awards. That's true. Like, this is just Mm -hmm. completely Oscars only. Like, no precedent with the SAG or the BAFTAs or even, like, the critic circles or anything like that. Just completely out of left field. I don't know. It's wild to me. My biggest disappointments are the two big shutouts. Nope and Decision to Leave out of, like, all categories, basically. Yeah, it's crazy. But especially cinematography for both of those movies, and especially sound for Nope. I know, like, the Oscars don't like horror. Nope isn't really horror, I don't think. I mean, it kind of is. But you would think, like, they would throw a technical towards that, right? I guess they didn't even throw them any of the technical categories, but pretty bummed about that. It's not like Nope isn't known by everyone, but, like, by the end of the year, it seemed like people were not talking about it, right? And it seemed to peter out in people's minds. And I think that maybe that's why it suffered a little bit versus like everyone still is talking about like everything everywhere. You know what I mean? Even though that came out also early in the year, I just feel like maybe the campaign wasn't there for no. But I agree with you. I think some of these categories it could have been in and should have been in. Yeah, it sucks. It's Mm -hmm. a beautiful movie to watch. It honestly is. I was going to say my biggest disappointment, which I don't know how much traction it actually had. You know, I talked about how much I love Babylon and mm-hmm. it's pretty much shut out of like everything. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that that's Oscar, but it's also polarizing. I think it just, it didn't work. Yeah. What about like Rebecca Hall and Resurrection? Oh, that's like never in the car. Such like. a niche performance in like such a niche category. It is so good though. So good. I don't think there was any traction whatsoever. I yeah. don't think he was in the conversation, but it should have been. She's so good in that movie. Horror movies, especially tiny releases like Resurrection, they never show up at the Academy Awards ever. You've already mentioned, but Tang Wei and Decision to Leave, the other big best actress one. 
and crime is the future getting completely. Yeah, that's another like genre. Not a piece shocker, that, right? No, I'm not, I'm not, not a like, surprised, but still kind of annoyed. <laughs> yeah. What about Elvis? Elvis got a couple of nods. I'm actually happy about that. Yeah, I think actor. He's got to be the odds-on favorite. I don't know. I, I is think- he though? Actor's pretty contentious, actually. I think. Yeah, Colin Farrell. I think it's a three-way between Austin Butler, Colin Farrell, and Brendan, Brendan Fraser. Fraser. Yeah, Ugh. watch Bill Nye. He's going to come out of nowhere and just take this. <laughs> <laughs> it can happen. Although I wouldn't count out Paul Mescal either, because I've heard great things about After Sun. It's the one. Yeah, it's one movie, movie I, I haven't, haven't seen, seen either. Yeah. I mean, that's not the one movie. To Leslie, another movie I have not seen yet. Um, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely one of the ones I really wanted to watch. Yeah, I didn't mention this that episode, but it was the one movie I really wanted to watch before our year-end list, and I just didn't get a chance to. Speaking of To Leslie, we've seen Andrea Riseborough in a bunch of things. Well, I mean, at least on this pod, we've talked about Possessor, right? Yeah. The Brandon Cronenberg. And mm-hmm. then she's been in a bunch of other things that I think we've seen like death of Stalin, mandy birdman yeah um, she's been in a bunch of things so that's cool it's good to see her getting some shine oh we didn't talk about rrr yeah rrr isn't really like i mean it wasn't even under contention right yeah because i don't think india submitted it as their movie when they don't do that that's it for them yeah right? so it would have had to go in under international right first yeah i don't know how it, it works it'd be a best picture if it wasn't international that doesn't make sense yeah i don't know i mean it kind of makes sense right because then it's like wait how is it a best picture and not up for like international, right? And it's just like weird rules with Oscars where each nation only is allowed one submission, right? It was never going to be even allowed to be, I guess, in contention for best picture is my guess. Mm. But I mean, at least best original song and hopefully we get to see it actually performed live on stage. That'd be really cool. That would rule. What about All Quiet on the Western Front? Have you guys seen this? No, but I keep hearing good things about it. It's available now on Netflix. Jeff, have you seen it? It's pretty good. Oh, okay. It's definitely not one of my favorites, especially in the Best Picture lineup. I mean, the technical craft there is undeniable. A lot of the other awards it's up for, it warrants it. But in terms of Best Picture, there's a bunch of movies in there that I like more. Pretty much everything except for three of the movies in that <laughs> category. Women Talking, Triangle of Sadness. And- Shh, we don't talk about Women Talking because that movie has fucking shooters everywhere. I'm not about to open that. <laughs> fucking can of worms there. If you think about Best International Film is All Quiet on the Western Front, most likely the front order for that category if it's so good to be nominated for like Best Picture. For best Picture, right, yeah. Yeah. There's a couple that I want to highlight that I was surprised by. Angela Bassett got in for Black Panther. Yeah. Kinda forever. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised that, you know, this is, I mean, it should be said that this is the first Marvel movie to ever be nominated for any of the big four act, acting, you know, yeah. acting categories. So that's big for Marvel. But oh, wow. I'm not surprised in the sense that she has been tracking well. Like, I think she won the Golden Globe. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say she is potentially the favorite for this category, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. First person to be nominated for an Oscar just from a line in a trailer, right? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, come on. It is that. It is, it yeah, is that. It's definitely yeah. that. Yeah. It's yeah. got to be that. Yeah. Right? They didn't need to watch the movie. They just needed to watch the trailer. And they, <laughs> they nominated her. Continue, Jeff. I cut you off. Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans is best supporting over Paul Dano. I thought that was bullshit. Yeah. I liked Judd Hirsch, but I, I think that's kind of bullshit. I thought Paul You Dano, think so? I mean, Judd oh, Hirsch yeah. is scene stealing there. Don't get me wrong. But he's in the movie for all of 10 seconds. I don't know. I yeah, thought yeah, Paul yeah. Dano was really good in this and that oh, yeah. kind of understated – performance deserves some recognition i thought he was really good 
Yeah. I think it's insane that it's Ki Hui Kwan, Michelle Yeoh, and Stephanie Shu all nominated. That's kind of wild. What if they all miss? What if they all whiff? I know. I don't think Ki Hui Kwan's going to whiff. Like, I, I don't yeah. think he's going to whiff either. He, I think, is the shoe in. That's supporting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Michelle Yeoh would be a surprise if she did over Kate Blanchett. Not to say that I don't even think it couldn't happen. Uh, I'm just saying, like, for me, I think Kate Blanchett is the favorite. I actually think Michelle Yeoh was the favorite. I Mm -hmm. think the tide is behind the movie and the momentum is there for her. Yeah. You could be right about that. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm not like an awards guy. I don't really put too much stock into awards, but that's just my take on it that's what i think it looks yeah, like to be completely honest yeah i feel like lydia tar and like talking about tar is really dwindled i feel like over the last couple weeks or months so you could be right that michelle yo can maybe ride the momentum until the oscars yeah don't hate me jerk i kind of don't want her to i think Ken oh. is so good <laughs> as lydia tar the definitely real person who is not at all fictional um i said the momentum is behind michelle yo i didn't say that my yeah Pick was Michelle. I know. Yeah, I'm saying right? my yeah. pick is still Kate Blanchett. Mine too. Well, I actually haven't seen Blonde mm. or to Leslie, obviously. So, like, you can actually speak to Anna Darmas's performance in that. I liked Blonde as a movie. Actually, think that press junket for that movie did it no favors. Where Andrew Dominic's comments were just fucking atrocious. So, like, any good faith argument you could make in favor of the movie is totally just in the trash. I mean, there's of course like death of the author and all that stuff, but like it just doesn't have the wave behind it. Yeah. I think she gives a great performance in it. I think she's actually very good, but there's no way she wins this thing. I don't think she wins. It's definitely between Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh, but I think Kate Blanchett gives the better performance. I do too. I think so too. Unfortunately, I want to say that Michelle Yeoh's nomination is more of like a career thing. Right. Like, Someone who's never been recognized by the Academy. She has like a long story career. But it is hard to say that because I do think this is her best role. Oh, I don't agree. <laughs> really? Yeah, she's so much better in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon than in this. Hmm. Yeah, it's been a long Real time since Crouching I've Tiger, seen, Hidden Dragon. Since I've she's seen that movie. fucking phenomenal in that. Yeah. I do think this is a close second. I think she's very, very good in this. She's got mm-hmm. like playing all the different modes, comedy, drama action the slapstick all the big emotional beats they're all there it's yeah. a good performance but i do think Kate blanchett's on another level here yeah going back to best actor did we talk about who do you guys want to win for that it's hard to say i'm rooting for brendan fraser but mm-hmm. i think it's really? probably yeah i just like the guy yeah um, he's a good guy I don't know. I had no desire to see the whale, and it just—I don't know. I think it's kind of a little distasteful. So I don't know. The performance is good, no matter mm-hmm. what you think about the tastefulness of the movie and the shallowness of the script, which I think are the big criticisms of the movie. That much better than Austin Butler and Elvis? I don't know. I think it's a three-way for this one. I but personally, personally, I like Colin Farrell. <laughs> yeah. And I also like Austin Butler a lot. I mean, if anything, the way Austin Butler talks now, is I'm more convinced he wasn't doing Elvis. He was just doing himself this whole time, you know? 
<laughs> I think it's the other way around, man. He did Elvis so hard. He's fucking stuck. <laughs> he's fucking Elvis now? No. <laughs> yeah, he's fucking stuck, man. Like when your mom says your face is going to get stuck that way, he, he did that shit with, with acting. <laughs> he's, he's stuck as Elvis. Well, they interviewed like his voice coach or whatever. And they're like, uh, well, his voice is just stuck that way. That's what the voice coach said. <laughs> See? There you go. I tend to agree with you, Jeff. I think this is probably Brendan Fraser's to lose, maybe. I've seen the movie too. I don't know if I love the movie, but I do really like his performance. Yeah. And I'm glad Hong Chao got in for Best yeah. Supporting. She's, she's great, great she's in that great. movie. She's really good in that movie. I see some other people getting mad that Top Gun is in adapted screenplay. Why? What's the controversy about it? Well, that the screenplay isn't that good, but I think it's pretty good. That thing is fucking airtight. Yeah, it's just good. the way it's written. Just because it's like an action movie doesn't mean that there's no screenplay, right? Like mm-hmm. that thing is so fucking taut, economical, straight banger action movie. Like no fat on that thing. I think the way it's written is a big part of that. And any sequel is just automatically a best adapted screenplay thing, which is kind of weird. But whatever. Yeah. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, explain that. What? Because it's not an original idea, right? It's based on like something that's already existed. So that's why it's adapted. Yeah. So best adapted screenplay is like, oh, maybe it's like based on a book or something else. Or it could just be a sequel. Like sequels are considered adapted because they're adapted from the first movie, I guess. It's kind of silly. Yeah. That's why like Glass Onion's there versus like yeah, yeah, Knives yeah. Out like, was yeah. an original screenplay, you know? Yeah, so best picture. I mean, we we've talked um, about almost all these on the pod, except for All Quiet on the Western Front, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. My only question is that: What do you guys? Well, one, what do you guys want to win, and then what do you guys think is going to win? Avatar: The Way of Water. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) That Uh, would rule. But I've heard like a theory or like an idea that it's definitely not going to win because the idea is then that maybe it would be a Return of the King situation in like a couple years down uh, the line that it might be uh, then recognized. Mm. Oh yeah, like a lifetime Avatar achievement award for all. Yeah, basically, maybe for the last one. Yeah, maybe. But even then, I don't think it's. The best movie this year, yeah. Are the Oscars going to exist by the time the last Avatar movie rolls around? <laughs> by the time the last Avatar movie rolls around, we'll be living in Avatar bodies. So yeah. like- All right, let's just go around. All right. Who do you want to win and who do you think will win for best picture? I think it's going to be Banshees. You think it's going to be Banshees that's going to win? I do. I think no it has way. some momentum. As yes, much as does. I love Banshees and I think it's my favorite movie of the year. Everything Everywhere All at Once has got this in the bag, I think. I the don't know, The momentum is just I don't know. swelling so hard around that movie. They're campaigning so hard. I don't know, man. I think Everything Everywhere All at Once is the one I want to win, of course. And like, I would be very happy if they did. But you got Martin McDonough. The Academy loves. You have a, a front-running performance that I think I don't know if we'll win. But I don't, wouldn't count it out. And I think this would be the more, for me at least, the safe choice for them. So, Jeff, you think Everything Everywhere is going to win, right? I think Everything Everywhere is going to win. So, we're probably opposite. You want Banshees to win, right? Yeah, but I would be happy with an Everything Everywhere win as well. No, but like if you were the only voter and it was up to you, it would be what? I don't know, man. It's hard to say. I would just pick like Tar or something. (laughs) There you go. What about you, Amir? So, it's weird because like in our best of the year, I put... Top Gun, Avatar, RRR, kind of all in a top three when I reflected back on the movies that kind of impacted me over the year. But as far as like 
actual best picture, I don't actually think Top Gun's a better movie than like the Fablements or something. Mm-hmm. Although it's kind of difficult to like even parse that question in a way. Like, how do you even make that comparison? They're a bit incommensurable. But uh, yeah, I don't think I can. As much as I liked Avatar and Top Gun, I don't think I actually want those to win. I think I might be with you, Jeff. I think it'd be nice to see Banshees take it. Yeah. But I think Everything Everywhere has probably got the momentum. I'm hearing a lot about it. I don't yeah. even keep my ear to the ground on this stuff, and it does seem like there's a lot of buzz for it. Mm-hmm. And I'd mm-hmm. be happy with it winning, to be clear. Like, I'd definitely be happy with it winning. Yes, me so. too. Yeah, just the fact that, like, the Academy is embracing, like, a multiverse sci-fi movie is, like, that's wild to me. And, like, a majority Asian cast. Yeah, and, like, yeah, it's 100%. Just, like, a wacky script. I'm totally cool with that winning, actually. All right, well, I think that will conclude the Oscars discussion. Do you want to move on to our main review? Yeah, I think this is like our tradition every year. We do Oscars talk and then a horror movie that we have. <laughs> is it really? What did we do last year? <laughs> last year we did The Empty Man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> God, that was a year ago? Holy yeah. shit. Oh, Oscar shit. nominations and The Empty Man. This year it's Oscar nominations and Skinamarink. <laughs> All right. So this movie, I think the way you watch it is very, very important. So how did you guys see this? I saw this at home on my computer in like the dark alone. (laughs) What about you guys? Fortunately, my local theater was showing it over the weekend. So, well, I guess two weekends ago and I got to watch it Mm -hmm. in a theater of what? I did the count, like 19 people. Oh, that's like a decent number of people. I saw it first at Fantasia. Then I watched it in New York. And then I watched it on my laptop too. So I've seen it three times. You've seen it a lot. Well, I wanted to go to the premiere in New York just because a lot of people I knew were going. I actually want to say the best experience I had with it was with my laptop at home. Really? Yeah, there's just something different about it. The immersion is different. The awareness of other people in the theater. I don't think it like gets in the way of the experience, but it's more distracting than like being alone on your laptop in the middle of the night, especially when people are like getting up and like going to the bathroom and stuff. It's a little distracting when I think immersion is the name of the game for a movie like this. But there's two separate reactions that most people are having. This movie's fucking boring as shit, or this movie's the scariest thing you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> there is no other reactions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I'm sure maybe one of All you... All right, so then what camp are you in, Jeff? I don't think it's the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life, but it's very scary. I think it's very, very scary in that it hits a different mode of horror that you have not seen before. I think other movies, you know, like slashers, hauntings, ghost in possession movies, they all tickle a similar part of like your subconscious and like what you're afraid of and stuff like your rational adult mind. But this one like reaches back into your childhood you know, and like your childhood fears and like awakens that part of your brain that has been dormant for like, I don't know if you're like an adult decades, right? And I think that says something about this movie, where not a lot of horror movies have, I don't think any horror movie has ever done that. And I think that's what's unique about it. It's working on a nerve ending that's not yet burned out. Yeah. I fucking love this thing, by the way, if you couldn't tell. It's not like a boring, predictable kind of horror here. Yeah, it's just doing something so completely different. It retains its ability to be scary. Totally get what you're saying. What about you, Derek? Um, 
I did not like this movie. <laughs> I could not go for the ride for this one. I'm sorry, Jeff. Like, I know you talked about it before we even watched it. I already knew what you thought about this movie. And, you know, it got me excited to go into this thing a little bit more because, you know, I was hearing about it, but then also you've endorsed it. But I think the whole experimental movie aspect turned me off. I <laughs> described this movie to my fiance as close up the movie. <laughs> it was freaking 1995 VHS, the movie. You know what I mean? Like, it was really hard to make out anything. I think sound-wise, it was impossible to understand at times, to the point where the director had to put on, like, subtitles. Um, totally fair. Totally fair. It's part of the charm, and you just could not vibe with it. And I totally get it. Some people are like, well, if you want to be watching different angles of the fucking ceiling and, like... <laughs> corners of the room for a whole 90 minutes with nothing fucking happening uh this is your movie i don't agree with it yeah i totally see why people don't vibe with it it's a total like you need to be in the headspace for this kind of movie and like yeah it's, 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 it's very it's divisive it's a you get it or you don't so amir did you get it <laughs> call me daredevil the man without fear because this shit did nothing for me <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so funny yeah, it just – there were some select moments that were scary, don't get me wrong. Yes, yeah. It did an incredible job of like setting a vibe and like setting a tone. But I felt like there wasn't the payoff for the vibe that it was setting up. Mm-hmm. And I think it almost paid off in a couple of different places. I was like, oh, shit, that's real scary. I want more of that. And then we were just back to like shots of the fucking ceiling and shit. Like <laughs> – I get all the elements were there, but I was just too confused and unmoored and detached. I guess I just didn't know enough about what was going on moment to moment or care enough about what was going on moment to moment to really like be able to stay in the pocket for the whole movie. Like, I was like, all right, I get the vibe. Like, where's the payoff? And, and, and I felt it never came. I knew this one was going to be a hard one for people to swallow. <laughs> yeah, man. I rocked with the empty man, but I can't rock with this one. Yeah. I think it was a little too low budget. There's something endearing sometimes about low budget you know i think about like blair witch right that's the obvious comparison i think that movie is like i mean it's not like experimental but there is aspects of that where like that was fresh and i was new right that felt really out of left field Uh, maybe not compared to this but at that time felt a little bit out of left field and i think about that movie and i felt more fear in that and i felt more excitement coming out of that and i think if this movie was more of a short film that's what a lot of people say it might have worked a little bit better with me i will say that it's a little too long for me Mm-hmm. I think by the end, it's starting to maybe wear out its welcome a little bit. I'm sure for you guys, it was way earlier than like, <laughs> oh, towards yeah, the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I was waiting for it to click, and I'm like, maybe 30 minutes in, I'm like, I'm really hoping this goes somewhere. And like, unfortunately, the final hour, it never fully... Well, that's part of the experimental thing, right? Like, There's no narrative to this thing, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can read between the lines, there's some semblance of a plot, and I think that's by design. Yeah, of course. It's just uh, you want the payoff in that horrific moment of revelation, right, that never comes. Just even, like, take, like, The Witch, for example, Mm -hmm. where, like, the entire movie, there's this escalating tension and the paranoia and the evil of the demon. It all does finally come together with Black Phillip at the end, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, there is that final release, that moment of catharsis, that final thing. You go, okay, like, this is, like, the final completion of the narrative, which just didn't feel that here. To talk a little bit about, though, some of the things that worked for me, 
I do think that the creepy like cartoon, old timey cartoons that we were watching, some of those were really effective. The scene where you see the parents in the room worked for me. Yeah, the parents upstairs in the bedroom, that worked for me too. That was creepy as shit. I will say that I wasn't the biggest fan of sometimes being in this perspective of looking at the ceiling, but then sometimes we were in this perspective of the kid. It didn't Mm. feel consistent. You know, when he's like looking under the bed, you're like, oh, you're the kid now. But that's the only time he uses that effect and that threw me off. I felt like it would have been better suited if we were in one point of view the whole time. But yeah, I mean, I think the parents sitting there like all creepily, I kind of want more of this. Because the things that really didn't work for me was like the really quick jump scares in this movie where all of a sudden it's the sister's face with like the eyes missing, but then it's just like a really loud scream. It felt a little cheap to me. A little cheap, okay. The only jump scare that really worked for me was that fucking Toy Story phone. The loudest Uh, toy? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That one worked me. (laughs) That was scary as shit. Yeah. I fucking hate that toy. That toy fucking sucks. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I do think like the jump scares are like the least frightening thing about this movie Mm -hmm. yeah i think the ambiance and the mood and like the whole vibe of it and how it mimics like a nightmare from your childhood that's the part that like really worked for me when i reviewed the movie i was like this movie for me it felt like you know like when you're a kid and your mom tells you to go down to the basement turn off the basement light you're scared of the dark and you hit the switch and like you run up the fucking stairs as fast as you can. This whole movie kind of feels like that run up the stairs, you know? I understand that feeling and I understand what he was trying to go for, but it didn't connect with me because instead of doing a scene where we're looking in maybe into an empty space, kind of like in the bedroom scene, we know what we're looking at and it's creepy because they're almost off screen. You don't see their heads, so you don't see what's going on. That feeling is really creepy and like I can kind of relate to it versus what Amir's saying. It's like, why am I looking at a corner of a room, right? Mm. That, to me, didn't evoke the feeling of going downstairs and being creeped out by absolutely nothing. You didn't feel that at all? No. Not when you're looking at a corner of a room. (laughs) I don't know. When you're a kid, that's all you do. Like, when you're in bed, you see things that aren't there in the corner of the room. You know, like, the green in this movie, Mm -hmm. I think it simulates your eyes adjusting to the dark when you're, like, trying to fall asleep Mm -hmm. as a kid. And I think that really worked for me. All right, this is where one of the parts of the theatrical experience worked for me better than being at home. A lot of the other people in the theater were like immersed and they're like, you could hear them whispering, what is that? I don't know if he actually put like faces or something in there, but I heard a bunch of times people were like, is that a face? You know, like you can't tell if there's actually anything there. And I feel like there's a very frightening aspect to that that I really, really liked. I was so into that. I was really, really Mm. into that. And I love like the analog look of this movie, the muffled sounds, it all feels like a bad dream when you're like a kid. Just the fact that it reaches back and touches those nerve endings that haven't been exposed in a long time, that's where the power of this movie is, and I fucking loved it. You know what it is for me? It's like you just had a scary dream, and you come tell me about it the next day at lunch, and I'm like, all right, cool, dude. Like, (laughs) I guess you were fucking frightened 12 hours ago, but like, I don't know, it's the middle of the fucking day, and we're at lunch, like, I'm not scared. This is how you feel when I'm telling you about how I felt, or you watching the movie? No, this is how I feel about the movie, right? It feels like somebody telling me about their experience of having a nightmare, but I don't feel it in my gut the way you did. Really? Okay. I get I think that. I get that. That's the binary of this movie. Like, you either feel it or you don't. Yeah. yeah. And, and, like, there were some things that worked for me, like, put the knife in your eye. I was like, oh, fuck. yeah and the sobbing of the kids and the blood i was like holy shit all right this is fucked up um i really fucked with that the pieces of the house disappearing 
uh-huh. uh, specifically the windows and doors, reminded me of I don't know if you guys ever read you guys read House of Leaves. Yes, I love mm-hmm. House of Mark Leaves. Danielewski. Yeah, so it reminded me of House of Leaves. You know, so it's it's this I don't know if it's a horror novel, but like it's kind of a horror novel. And then there's a house in which the dimensions of the house are slowly barely perceptibly changing mm-hmm. and the windows and doors disappearing and like the toilet disappearing and all that stuff kind of reminded me of that, you know, um, which I did like that. I thought it was a cool vibe to just be like in a house mm. where you can't escape because there's this evil thing in there that's constantly changing the geography, yeah. changing the dimensions of the house. I-, I did like that. I also like the thread of abuse and neglect in this movie with the parents. I thought that kind of worked for me. You know, Band on that for me. I don't know if I picked that up. All right. So like the director, Kyle Edward Ball, he said he got the idea for this movie talking to a bunch of his friends and they all had similar nightmares growing up where, you know, the parents are gone or dead and they're like stuck in the house and there's a monster after them. It's like reading between the lines, you know, like the dad slams the door. He disappears. They don't mention the mom at all. Kaylee doesn't want to talk about the mom. Something about like falling down the stairs, right? Yeah, falling down the stairs, hurting himself. If you read between the lines, it's like, I don't know, maybe there's like abuse there. Mm-hmm. And then when the parents okay. like disappear, I don't know. I feel like that kind of like goes into this headspace of a child when a place that's supposed to be your safe space not being safe anymore. Sure. But yeah, this movie's doing pretty well, though. $15,000 budget. I know, Derek, you said you could tell that it's super low budget. But I thought everything looked great. I thought like the VHS grain was good all the low light photography i think worked for me i don't know did anything look bad to you i don't think anything looked bad to me it looked like they didn't have enough money really yes that's so fascinating and that's part of that criticism looking at a corner it's easy to use a shot like that and constantly keep using it and not have to like fill up with prop or using too many sets or whatever you know what i mean i mean interesting enough i learned that what this was filmed in his old childhood home right yeah uh, so that's a pretty cool. interesting fact. I don't know. I guess like the lack of different shots really spoke to like how much of a budget he was working with, right? It always seemed like we were going back to the Lego pieces. We're going back to the TV. We're going back to like the corners of rooms. And it doesn't really expand beyond that except for a couple of things here and there, right? Mm. Just drops of blood on a cabinet close up. You can kind of tell he doesn't have the budget to do maybe... Maybe he doesn't want to do those things, or he just doesn't have the budget to like show a kid like with something impaled in their eye, right? I don't think it's that kind no, of movie, though. Yeah, I, I, know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying, like, it reads a little bit like he is on a limited budget, though. Interesting. Okay, that I didn't get. I mean, it struck me as being very intentionally a movie about negative space and like not showing the thing and only seeing it out of the corner of the eye as an artistic choice and not as a budget restriction. I'm not saying there wasn't a budget restriction. I'm just saying Mm -hmm. they make the budget restriction seem like an intentional artistic choice. So I I don't know. I I didn't see it as a lack. I wasn't like, oh, they could have used more money there to do what they were trying to do. Mm -hmm. It's just what they were trying to do didn't entirely work for me. Yeah. I mean, the kid stabbing himself in the eye is a bad example. I'm on the same page with you there with looking like, quote unquote, sheep or like it needed more budget. I don't think so. So do you think it was intentional that some of the audio we couldn't make out? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's supposed to be- From the kid? Disorienting and distorted and like, you're supposed to strain to hear it and not really truly understand what's going on. So it's it's all supposed to kind of- dislocate and disorient you and put you in this dreamlike horror kind of atmosphere. Yeah. But I was just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like it didn't it didn't work for me. But like I get what the intent was. 
I don't think they're actually trying to make you like experience this movie through the eyes of the kids. I don't think that's what they're trying to do here. Yeah, I agree. I think the whole point is that this kind of feels like a transmission from like a nightmare dimension or something where like everything comes through distorted, like visually and audibly, right? I think that's what the intention is. I think it is intentional. The moments where like whatever the entity is speaking, like sometimes it's not perceivable, like what they're saying. And I feel like he has to subtitle it so people like can make sense of it. That's fine. I understand that. But like there are moments with the kid, I cannot understand what the kid is saying. And even him had to put subtitles so you understood what the kid was saying, even mm. though it's like not every shot was subtitles for the kid. Yeah, I think that's intentional. I mean, why put subtitles there if it wasn't, That right? spoke to me as though I do not have a budget to reshoot more scenes with this kid. Oh, I don't oh. know. <laughs> I no, mean, that could yeah. be true because, you know, like child labor laws are crazy and like, yeah. especially if you're on a limited budget, I don't know how long you can use the kids for. Um, yeah. But... Four hours, according to Nathan Fielder. Uh, <laughs> I didn't read it that way, but um, yeah. I thought what they did with the kids was great. Like, you never see their faces. I like how the camera was low to the ground and, like, crunchy carpet sound effects and stuff. The adults are, like, for however short amount of time they're in the movie, they're, like, peanuts adults. They're just mumbling, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what it feels like when you're a kid and you're, like, in bed, right? All the commotion going on downstairs is muffled. That space between like being awake and asleep, half dream. I think that captures it really well, this movie. But I get it. I get it. It's one of those things where you either vibe with or you don't. And unfortunately, I'm the only one who did with this one. If we're close to the end here, I, I do want to talk a little bit about my movie going experience because I, I do think it was at, at a certain point, like this is really sad to say, like it became a little bit more entertaining to me than the actual movie. I clocked how many people were there. I said there were 19 people in my theater. 20 minutes in, somebody had left, right? Mm. And I'm like, hmm, okay. Are they going to the restroom? And no, they're not, they're, they're not they're, coming no, back. <laughs> did not come back. Probably 10 minutes later after that, another person left. Halfway through the movie, like another two, three people left. Two people left literally 10 minutes before this movie ended. I guess they couldn't handle it and they just I don't care how much more of this movie is left they just couldn't handle it and they left so like by the end like eight people had left so almost half my theater almost half my theater left I tell you they were fucking traumatized <laughs> they were so fucking scared that they left that's what happened I don't know Jeff but <laughs> I can't speak to that but I have never seen this many people leave a movie that's wild so how many people were left by the end 11 11 out of the 19 Holy I kept shit. Tracking. eight people left I had four or five walkouts at my screening, too. Out of yeah. how many? Uh, I don't know, like 20-something. Okay, yeah. I mean, so Derek lost more than 40% of his audience. Yeah. And you lost a couple, Jeff, and I almost lost myself in this movie. So. <laughs> I want to believe I'm never the person that's ever going to leave the theater. Out of respect, like anyone who gets a movie in a theater, mad respect, right? Like, I'm not going to disrespect that person and leave a theater. But it's also the Asian in me that will not let my money go to waste. Uh, <laughs> but I was pretty close, man. This one was hard. Man, I, I don't really? know if I'm going to do it. Yeah. I predicted a lot of this. I think uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm 90% sure Derek is going to oh, yeah. fucking hate this thing. Oh, yeah. 60% um, sure that Amir isn't going to like this either. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think I was 
pretty. I think you nailed it. Yeah. I honestly wasn't too sure where Amir was going to lie. I thought he would be more just in the middle, but I guess he is leaning more towards. I'm still in the middle. I just. Yeah, definitely. I'm the other extreme here. I mean, if I had to pick a binary, like it or not, like it, I'd probably say didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I admire it and I get what it's trying to do. But yeah, for not for me. Yeah, I definitely thought at the end of the movie, by the way, that it was going <laughs> to be like one of those <laughs> movie line memes. Where he asked, what's your name? I thought it was going to be like, Skinnamarink. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been fucking hilarious, actually. <laughs> Can we talk about that a little bit? Like, am I missing something? I don't know what, is a Skinnamarink something I'm supposed to know? It's like a nursery song. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not supposed to like mean anything. I mm-hmm. think it's just like a throwback. To- Childhood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But yeah, I mean... I think it's funny that there are people like nitpicking this movie. All the scenes with the Lego pieces, someone's like, Yes, I saw that. <laughs> this movie's supposed to take place in 1995. That uh, orange Lego separator piece was not in circulation until like 2004 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that rules, dude. People yeah. are fucking wild about this. I shit. love that people have that level of like, I don't even know what you call it. Yeah, like my Twitter is very targeted, I guess, at people that loved this movie. Because I was like, am it's I wrong? Of me. It's because you fought There's me. definitely lovers of this movie. And I was just like, fuck, am I weird? Like, what am I not getting? <laughs> like, you know? Are you wrong, Derek? You are wrong. wrong. Okay. I am wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. But yeah, I think there's this viral component to this movie that really worked in its favor. $15,000 budget. It's already done over a million dollars. It's insane. Wow. Yeah, that's insane. Just at theaters alone, like that doesn't even account for like Shutter buying this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fucking wild word of mouth stuff. So it actually became viral because someone had leaked a copy of the movie at Fantasia and it wound up online on torrent sites. So people were downloading the movie and it blew up on TikTok. People were TikToking mm. about this movie. They're like making TikToks about it. They're like, this is the scariest movie I've ever seen. And they're just like spreading the word of mouth that this was like a really scary experimental horror movie. And it went crazy. Is this why I don't get this movie, Jeff? Because Gen Z relates huh? to it and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I don't know, man. I actually think it's more of like a, I don't know, millennial Gen X thing, maybe? I don't maybe. know. It seems it's very real. targeted at people yeah. who were mm. kids in the 90s, right? Yeah, yeah. Definitely with the Legos and that toy, yeah, definitely. So it feels, feels like- weird that Gen Z picked up on it, but I guess that feeling is, like, universal. I mean, just because you have, like, the VHS grain and, like, the 90s paraphernalia in the movie doesn't mean that it doesn't speak to, I don't know, younger people as well. So Mm -hmm. I guess they really took a liking to it. But I don't know. I feel like they took like a nightmare situation of like their movie getting leaked online. And I mean, they didn't do it, obviously, but it just happened that it went viral and, and it caught on, you know, so... I don't know. I think the ethics of pirating movies is a whole other discussion. <laughs> oh, you should pirate movies. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's not too complicated. Derek, I feel like you think Amir is joking, but I feel like he is not joking. <laughs> not joking. Oh, no, no, no. I know he's not joking. I just think it's very funny that he said it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a perfect place to end. Is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up about this movie? No. It's scary as shit. As much as it didn't work for me, I still think you should watch it because I think it's one of those things where if it hits for you, you'll really enjoy it. So like, yeah. I, I'm not like discouraging people from going to go watch this. 
Um, I think it's going to be a coin flip. But I mean, if you know you're the kind of person who's going to like this, definitely go see it. And if you're not sure, give it a shot. Like the craft is, you know, immaculate. And if it hits for you, you're really going to enjoy it. So like, I, I do encourage people to give it a try. One last thing I want to say is a lot of people are saying this is the Blair Witch Project and like paranormal activity and how it revitalizes the horror genre. But like, how many more times can someone do something that's like this novel within like the genre space, right? I guess you won't know until someone does it. I mean, for me, though, just seeing how many people left my theater, I just don't (laughs) No, Like, seriously, I don't think this is going to be like those movies where it's going to start some kind of trend, right? Redefine horror in a way. Yeah, 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 no, for sure, because Blair Witch Project and Paranormal Activity, they're like, you know, found footage, right? Mm-hmm. That's like a whole mode of filmmaking where this is not something you can replicate. Yeah. Unless like you're copying it exactly, there's nothing else that you can do with Skinnerink as like your inspiration, I guess. I don't know. It's not like inventing a whole new genre of mm-hmm. horror. Yeah. The way it taps into the primal childhood fears how many other different modes can you do that with i mean it's hard for you guys to say because you guys were not on its wavelength but like i feel like this is so one of a kind and like you're never gonna see anything like this again tap into like some different part of your subconscious that you haven't accessed in years and i just don't see that like happening with anything else you know yeah but um, I will commend that it went so viral that you got so many people to go watch essentially what is a like hour and 30 minute experimental movie. That's just something I don't think you're going to ever see again either, right? Or not see for a very long time. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, that will uh, conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com where I reviewed Skinnamarink. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. What about you guys? You can find me pirating some movies. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me at The World's OKS Photos and Screen Agents Guild. But if you liked this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah, and if you have any questions, comments, suggestions on the Oscar nominations or Skinnamarink, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. Sometimes we get listener mail and sometimes we like to read it out on the pod. So feel free to do that and we will see you guys next week for The Last of Us. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.